Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Hey everybody, Craig Schaub here at the Ohioan Podcast Network. Today we are joined by Bob Garver. Bob, how are you doing on this beautiful Monday morning? I'm doing wonderfully. Happy Monday. Well, you saw some movies. There's a full slate this week for you. We're going to start off with maybe the biggest release of last weekend, uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy. This is a uh, sort of a reboot, I guess you could say, of the franchise uh, that had the 1996 movie with Michael Jordan. Uh, Bob, I'm not sure if you're a fan of the original, but what did you think here of uh, the reboot of Space Jam, A New Legacy? Well, I definitely was a fan uh, of the original back in 1996, and I uh, watched it several times on video uh, in the next few years, but I don't know if I'd be uh, such a big fan of it today. Uh, today, I might think that it was um, maybe trying too hard to make the Looney Tunes characters appeal to a new generation, um, because that's definitely how I felt about this movie. Okay. Um, you know, lots of uh, forcing in things like video games and hip hop and uh, meta humor, and just it doesn't it doesn't always work with these characters. Sure. Well, you know, one thing that always intrigues me about movies like this, and maybe not necessarily it doesn't always come down to this, but you know, when you're using professional athletes or non-professional actors, you're always taking a risk of of that not really working. How do you think that the NBA stars here and WNBA stars uh, perform here as uh, actors in this movie? Um, well, LeBron, you know, LeBron seems lost. Um, but then again, I seem to remember that Michael Jordan wasn't that great in the original either. Sure. Um, and as for the um, as for the others, they're, they're barely in it. Um, they mostly just lend themselves to some uh, CGI monsters that uh, do a little bit of trash talking, and that's about it. Okay. Well, you know, ultimately these movies, you know, even though they are made for kids, I know we've talked a lot about movies kind of cutting through and, and being able to be something that everybody, whether you're 30, 40, 50, or 6, can appreciate. Is there anything about this? I know there was a lot of uh, – you know, callbacks to other Warner Brother, you know, characters and media. Anything about this that you actually enjoyed, or was it just a complete misfire? I think it was a complete misfire. Uh, the um, the appeal to adults is is um, like you said, it's based on a lot of cameos from other uh, Warner Brothers IPs, intellectual properties. A lot of um, uh, some Harry Potter stuff. There's some Game of Thrones stuff, some Matrix stuff, um, and then there are are um, crowd scenes uh, toward the end during the climactic 
basketball game that bring in a lot of Warner Brothers characters. Um, and adults can can play spot the cameo in the crowd uh, during those scenes. So that's probably what appeals most to adults. Um, another thing that's going to appeal to adults is a gag they do toward the end where the uh, star of the first movie uh, may or may not make a cameo. Uh, okay. When they did this, this moment um, in, in my theater, um, everybody, everybody was screaming for it. Like this is, this is the scene that a lot of people are taking away uh, from the movie as the most memorable scene. Um, I didn't think it was that great, but it definitely got the biggest reaction of any movie or of any scene in the movie. Okay. You know, one of the things I was kind of curious about your thoughts, you know, obviously when the first movie came out in 96, I think the Looney Tunes were maybe you could never really say when there was an exact popularity, their height of popularity, but they were still pretty popular back then. There wasn't a lot of selection out there on TV. Nowadays you have everything everywhere on TV, on streaming, are the Looney Tunes still relevant? Do you think, even though HBO, I know HBO Max has rebooted the, the the Looney Tunes, but do you think they're still relevant enough to to sort of have that mass appeal to audiences, or is it, you know, will kids understand like, oh, hey, that's Bugs Bunny, that's Yosemite Sam, that's you know, so on and so forth, or is it people like you and I maybe that might have grown up on Looney Tunes, and maybe people that are older that grew up on Looney Tunes that might be a little bit more appealing for a movie like this, or do you think kids might actually care about the Looney Tunes? Uh, I think, I think they will. I think there's still an audience for them. Uh, I know that the, uh, the Tom and Jerry movie mm. um, did well earlier this year. And that, mm. um, that, that hasn't had <clears throat> a, a, you know, a release in uh, a popular release in, in even longer than it had been since the Looney Tunes had one. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, um, but I think that a lot of the humor that they do in the movie, uh, because they fight so hard to make it contemporary, is ironically going to make it seem dated uh, very shortly. Okay. You know, a lot of people say that, um, say that about the original, say that it's uh, like a time capsule of 1996, mm. because the humor was, was so 1996 based. Um, but by 2000 or whatever, uh, it already seemed dated. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, did you have a final grade here for Space Jam: A New Legacy? C minus. Okay. All right. Well, uh, not sure if it gets any better for you, Bob, but we're going to talk about uh, another. Uh, this time, a sequel, uh, Escape Room: Tournament of Champions. Um, I was not really that familiar with the original movie, so maybe you could fill us in on what uh, what this movie series or franchise is all about. Uh, this movie series uh it's it's really quite a simple concept they trap six people or so uh in a series of escape rooms um you know those uh rooms full of like puzzles and stuff where you have to um solve clues and riddles and stuff to to get out of them uh only this time it's deadly right you know, there's deadly consequences if they fail and uh you know one by one they'll get picked off until uh you know, there's only going to be one or two people that uh, that escape. Well, it doesn't sound like a, a great premise for a. I mean, maybe it could be an okay premise for a horror type film, but maybe something that doesn't seem to have a lot of legs to it. Uh, what did you think here, ultimately, of Escape Room Tournament of Champions? Does it have enough to to make a feature movie and make it work? 
No, I mean, I, I see the appeal of escape rooms, and I see, I understand that it was a lot of fun to design the escape rooms for this movie. Right. Uh, but it seems like all the all of the thought went into that, and not uh, building character or excitement. It's it's fun to I can see where it's fun to do the escape rooms, um, but it's not fun to watch other people uh, have to solve puzzles and do the escape rooms, even if there are deadly consequences. <laughs> kind of makes you not want to do any escape rooms moving forward, huh, Bob? Yeah, yeah. It's not exactly an advertisement for the escape room industry, <laughs> although. Um, <laughs> Unless they can convince viewers that that uh, most escape rooms are as creatively designed as the ones in the movie. Well, do you think that uh, maybe something like this will continue to have some some legs moving forward as a franchise? I mean, I know this is a sequel here. Um, you know, does is it worth? I mean, obviously, it made about eight, close to nine million dollars over the weekend. But uh, do you think something like this will will continue to see more? escape room movies I'm, I'm assuming they can probably make these movies for somewhat dirt cheap in comparison to you know maybe what the potential box office return would be but does this is this going to spawn more hopefully not maybe i don't know i'm sure there will be at least one sequel uh but after that I'm, i don't see much of a reason to continue with this franchise um unless they can make the movies really really cheap yeah, the, the definitely. You know, obviously, with the COVID box office, still we're we're still trying to get out of it. But eight eight million dollar, just a little bit less than nine million dollars, probably doesn't seem like a whole lot. They they did you know right now. I think they're up around thirteen million worldwide. So a lot of it might depend on how much these movies cost to make, and you know whether it's worth moving forward. So a final grade here for Escape Room uh, Tournament of Champions. Very generous C minus. <laughs> All right, Bob. Uh, well, hopefully uh, we're we're moving into some better territory for you here, Bob. Yes, we're, we are. We're going to talk about um, the latest Nicolas Cage movie. I know for for people out there, it might be challenging to keep up with uh, the workload that Nicolas Cage has taken on uh, over the last you know ten years or so since uh, he had some financial issues arise in his life. So he's taken on about every project that's come his way, but. Every once in a while, he comes up with a project that may or may not pay him well, but it ends up turning out to be a good movie or even better than that. So is Pig one of those Nicolas Cage gems, Bob? Pig is indeed a Nicolas Cage gem. Okay, now here's, here's the pitch for Pig. John Wick meets Drive. Okay. Meets Ratatouille. <laughs> Talk about a um, uh, movie mashup, huh? Yes, Nicolas Cage uh, plays a former chef who now lives in seclusion, uh, eking out a living, uh, finding truffles with his trusty pig uh, and selling them to a restaurant. Uh, and then one day the pig gets kidnapped and he goes into Portland, Portland, Oregon, to uh, get his pig back. Um, and it involves him going into this seedy underworld of, uh, of chefs and restaurant workers that uh, that's this whole intricate underworld that, uh, that nobody knew existed. Well, you know, one of the, I think over the years, people have gotten a little bit watered down with Nicholas Cage, not really thinking Nicholas Cage is much of an actor, but when he really needs to bring it on screen, he can certainly bring it as one of our, you know, very talented actors out there in Hollywood uh, what kind of, of a performance does he give here in Pig this time around? 
he's he's just ter- tremendous as this um, this former chef who uh, has spent the last several years, maybe decades for all I know, living as a hermit in the woods, um, entering urban society again for what seems like the first time in, in a long time. Now, does this, uh, you know, you said that this is sort of a mashup of multiple movies and, you know, the movies that you named off were certainly uh, very different from one another in some ways. You said John Wick. I mean, does this turn into a, an action uh, shoot 'em up kind of film or is it just kind of a subtle action? It's not really a, it's not really a shoot 'em up but it is a guy um, driven by the absence of an animal. Um, and it also involves a um, an underground network of uh, of shady types. That uh, yeah, an underground network of shady types. Kind of uh, reminiscent with the uh, the stolen animal. Kind of reminiscent of uh, other other movies too, where we've seen animals uh, stolen at the forefront. I think Keanu with uh, Keegan Michael Key and um, uh, Jordan Peele was uh, a movie about the kidnapping. Oh, yeah. A cat. Um, I kind of remember Seven Psychopaths, uh, the Martin McDonough film where uh, the dog was stolen. Uh, so obviously, it's sort of an interesting premise. Obviously, you know everybody loves animals, and uh, certainly you don't want to see your animals stolen. So uh, ultimately, what did you think of Pig? I mean, final grade for Pig. I gave it a B. I probably could have uh, picked up the pace in a few scenes, but uh, it's a very interesting premise. Very. Uh, very intriguing. I, I could definitely uh, see them doing a sequel to this, but maybe hopefully a little more action based, okay. uh, or more more leaning into the John Wick style. But uh, they've definitely got uh, an intriguing premise here. Well, we'll have to wait and see because Nicolas Cage, of course, as normal, is booked up for the next uh, couple of years here with uh, various projects. Although it's it's kind of fun to see Nicolas Cage get back in and stink his teeth into a better role here. I mean, it seems like every year he makes two or three movies, and in most cases, they're not very good. I, I think uh, 2018 he had uh, five releases, and of course, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was a voice acting role as Teen Titans as well. But, uh, you know, Cage has been busy. Hopefully he's getting out of financial disarray, and maybe we can start seeing him take on a little bit better projects to really show off his acting chops. I'd love to see that. I don't know about you. Uh, well, yes, but, um, you know, the more Nicolas Cage projects we get, the uh, the more likely it is that we'll see something bonkers on either end of the spectrum. Fortunately, <laughs> this one is, is high, is on the high yeah. end. It's almost like uh, it's almost like you're playing the Nicolas Cage lottery. Like you're either going to get really good Nicolas Cage movie or really terrible Nicolas Cage movie. But in some ways, you actually don't mind either way, I guess. But uh, at any rate, you know, a good recommendation there for Pig. Hopefully, we'll see uh, some more drama with Nicolas Cage, and maybe we'll see uh, more interesting mashups with uh, Ratatouille and uh, John Wick as well, being a part of that. So, uh, any uh, final thoughts? What do you got coming up this week, Bob? What are you watching this week? Uh, this week is uh, Snake Eyes with Henry Golding. Now, uh, I talked about Henry Golding a few weeks ago and how I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing him get to carry a, an action movie because I think he's going to be a, a huge player going forward in Hollywood. Um, also, uh, Old, the new M. Night Shyamalan oh, movie. All right. Well, M. Night Shyamalan's kind of got one of those uh, Nicolas Cage careers going at this point where it's either... Yeah, that's right. Or- he, he could be... <laughs> 
he, he could be, uh, you know, great. He could be terrible. He could be anywhere in between, but he's usually not anywhere in between. He's usually either great or, or terrible. Well, sometimes you like you like when people take swings for the fences, and unfortunately, sometimes they strike out. And uh, we'll see what happens with M. Night Shyamalan's latest. So, Bob, we definitely appreciate you joining us this week. Uh, we'll see you next week at the movies. Thank you very much. This is the highlight of my week. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.